Well, good evening. It is uh, now time for your third sermon. Is there anything more Presbyterian than a service with three sermons? It really is a delight to be with you. My name is Parker Tennant, good friend of Ryan and Ada, and it is a true blessing to be here to preach this service. And in good Presbyterian fashion, I want to take a point of personal privilege and just tell you, Ryan, how proud I am of you and how it just is an honor to be here. And I love you as a brother. And I know that God has called you here to bring him glory and to love these people. And so I'm proud of you, brother, and I'm thankful for your friendship. Tonight, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 5 through 18 will be our text this evening. This is God's word to us. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what, he has, according to what, he has, what has been written, excuse me, I believed and so I spoke, we also believed, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is, pre is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are our God. And this is your word. And it it's for our good and for your glory. And so would you attend to the preaching of it? I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight's sermon is all about the glory of God. That true, faithful, good ministry is about the glory of God. My oldest son is a golfer. He loves to play golf and wants to be good. Well, on his 13th birthday... My buddy who played golf at Vanderbilt University got an assistant coach there on the golf team to send him a celebration package full of swag from 
Vanderbilt University. He got a hat, he got balls, he got a head cover. He was so excited. Well, a couple of weeks later, he informed my mother-in-law that he wanted to play golf at Vanderbilt. And then in turn, she told us, hey, did you know that your son wants to play golf at Vanderbilt? Well, one afternoon coming home from a golf tournament that we had attended, I said, hey, buddy, I hear you want to play golf at Vanderbilt. He said, yeah, dad, I want to play golf at Vanderbilt. I said, that's great, buddy. We can pray for that and work towards it. You know, God hears our prayers and we can trust him with our dreams and longings. He said, yeah, dad, I'm going to pray for that. And he paused for a second. And he said, dad, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, buddy, whatever you want to ask. He said, dad, where is Vanderbilt? You know, a lot of us have dreams and aspirations in life. Where we want to be in 20 years? What do you want our legacy to be? And tonight as we come to install, or after we've already installed Ryan as a senior pastor here at Wallace Prez, I ask you, Ryan, what do you want Wallace to be? What are your dreams and aspirations for her? What do you want your ministry to be known as? I realize that might not be a fair question. After all, you are new here. You're just getting your feet wet in ministry. You're just getting to know these people in this culture. But as a friend, may I suggest what you ultimately want your ministry to be known by? What you want your legacy to be? It's not your amazing, awesome, hilarious, charismatic personality. That was a joke. <clears throat> It's not your welcoming and thoughtful hospitality. It's not even your gift of preaching. May I suggest that what you want your ministry to be known for is the glory of God. Fifteen times in the past two chapters, Paul is speaking of the glory of God in ministry. Ryan, in 15, 20 years from now, when this congregation is eating crab cakes and cutting a sheet cake in your retirement, I hope and my prayer as they think about your legacy here at Wallace as they cherish the glory of God. That's what this passage is about. Paul is speaking about this ministry to the church of Corinth. He says in verse 15, For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other words, as this ministry of grace goes forward and affects more and more and more people, it's all for what? The glory of God. Why is that important? Why is it important that your ministry is about the glory of God, Ryan? Because it's so easy to make your ministry about yourself. It's so easy to make your ministry about your own glory. And Paul warns us that, warns you of that in verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. Now, if that is the case, if the ultimate end of ministry is the glory of God, what steps, what steps can we take to assure, what steps can you take to assure that your ministry is about the glory of God? Well, I think there are three steps that Paul highlights here in this passage. Ryan, you need something, you need to treasure something, you need to carry something, and you need to long for something. Three things. You need to treasure, th treasure something. 
Look in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul doesn't directly say that we're to treasure something, but what we can do from the scripture is that he treasures something. And if Paul is treasuring something, we should treasure something. And what does that mean? What does it mean to treasure something? It means to hold and protect something that is precious to you. And what is Paul treasuring? What is Paul treasuring in his heart? Well, we see that in verse 5. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is this treasure that Paul is speaking about? It's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the ministry and the person of Jesus. Very plainly, it's the gospel. The fact that there's a creator who opened the hearts of dead and dying people and awakened them to the glorious knowledge of his grace. And he loves these people. And he loves you, Ryan. He's awakened your heart to his goodness and his grace. It is the gospel that you are to treasure. But why? Why do you treasure the gospel? Because Jesus is the glory of God. Paul tells us that. The glory of God is found in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is, Jesus, is personified in Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. Ryan doesn't save. Well-thought-out discipleship programs don't save. New visions don't save. New leadership don't save. Jesus saves. Jesus is the glory of God and the power unto salvation. As Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am assured... For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. My oldest daughter, when she was six years old, we were putting her bed one night, and she couldn't find her bunny. This, this stuffed animal that was precious and that she treasured. We searched all over the house, under the bed. We thought that maybe her brothers had stolen it and hidden it. We went after them, told us, where'd you put it? We didn't do anything with it. We searched all over the house. My daughter was getting more and more anxious because she couldn't find her bunny until she remembered that it was at church. She had taken it that morning to Sunday school and left it there. So as a good dad, what did I do? I got in my car late at night, drove to church, got the bunny, brought it home. Gave my daughter the bunny and she fell asleep like that. My daughter, my daughter was never going to be able to sleep and rest until she had that bunny. Ryan, you'll never be able to sleep, you'll never be able to rest in ministry unless you treasure and hold tight to the person and work of Jesus. There's a reason why Jesus tells us there, <clears throat> for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you, want to, if you want your heart to follow and trust Jesus, you must treasure him. And if you do, if Jesus is the most precious thing to you, Ryan, your ministry will show forth the surpassing power of God, for it belongs to him. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. To make sure your ministry is about the glory of God, you must treasure 
Jesus. But secondly, you must carry something. Look at verse 8 through 12. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. These are heavy Heavy words to reflect upon, because what Paul's talking about here is hardships, pain, and suffering. As you treasure the gospel, as the gospel infiltrates your life and changes you from the inside out, affliction will come as it came in Paul's life. And affliction doesn't always look the same. It can look like being persecuted, being afflicted, being pressured is what that word means, inside and out. Ministry can weigh heavy on you and bring anxiety and depression. It can be like being at a loss, perplexed. Ministry is perplexing at times, causing you to feel like you're crazy, maybe even to the point where you want to quit. You can feel like people are out to get you, persecuted. They're hiding around every corner, challenging everything you do. It can feel like being cast down, struck down. It can be humiliating at times. All this hardship, pain, and suffering that Paul is pointing towards is what Luke refers to in chapter 9 of his gospel. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Paul says in verse 10 of this passage, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. For your ministry is about the glory of God, you must lean, you must, excuse me, you must learn to carry your own cross. A ministry about the glory of God is both, both resembles the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. Paul in this passage is highlighting that great principle in ministry that death always precedes life. There is no Easter Sunday without a Good Friday. For the glory of God, is to, for the glory of God to be manifested, in your life, Ryan, death must be present. You must learn to carry your cross. And how can you do that? Well, here Paul says, we're afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Why is he not crushed? Why is he not driven to despair? Why is he not forsaken? Why is he not destroyed? He doesn't receive the fruits of all this affliction because Jesus did. Jesus was the one that was crushed. Jesus was the one that came to despair. Jesus was the one that was forsaken. And Jesus ultimately was, was the one that was destroyed on the cross. Ryan, the only way you get through this, the only way you carry your cross is you look at Jesus who's carried the cross for you. And you rest in him. You take on his strength. You take on his spirit. So when the affliction comes, when you feel pressured, when you feel like you're at a loss, when you feel like you're going crazy, when you feel like you're humiliated, look to Jesus. Last, we, last thing we see here, to make sure our glory, your ministry is about the glory of God, 
You have to treasure something. You have to carry something. But you also have to long for something. Verses 13 through 15 are pointing us to the glorious hope of the resurrection. Listen to verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. For your ministry to be be about the glory of God, Ryan, you must teach your people, you must teach yourself to long for something, to long for the eternal weight of glory, the new heavens and the new earth. You must give your people something to hope in, to hope for, for life is hard, life is tragic. Sure, God gives us little blessings along the way to sustain us during life, but life is hard. Our bodies waste away, our minds leave us, our loved ones leave us. Our sins burden us sometimes to the point of being paralyzed. You must give your people a vision of what is coming. Create in their hearts a longing for eternal things, not temporal things, the things of God and his promises. What I didn't tell you in my opening illustration about my son playing golf is he had one more question. He asked me, he, he asked me a question about where Vanderbilt was, and then he paused for a second, and he said this, Dad, is there a Chick-fil-A there? You can imagine what he's doing at that moment. In his little mind, he's trying to imagine what that place of his dreams will be like. That place of his dreams, what will be there? Ryan, it is your job as the pastor of this church to create a longing in your people's hearts of what is to come. What are they hoping for? What gets them out of bed every day? Where do they fix their eyes when things get difficult? Where do you fix your eyes when things get difficult? It's the hope of the resurrection. It's the hope of the new heavens and the new earth. It's the eternal things that Jesus has purchased for us that are guaranteed to be ours. To make sure that your ministry is about the glory of God, you must treasure Jesus You must carry your own cross and look to him as he carried a cross. And you must long for the resurrection and create a longing in your people's hearts. In 1966, something happened at Cole Field House, or now known as Jones Hill House, on the campus of the University of Maryland that changed the landscape of college basketball forever. Texas Western College, today known as UTEP, led by Don Haskins, beat Adolph Rupp's Kentucky Wildcats for the Division I Basketball National Championship. The fact that this little college from El Paso, Texas, could beat the blue-blooded powerhouse of Kentucky basketball was amazing. But but what was culturally altering and landscape-changing was not the win. It was the fact that Don Haskins for the very first time in college basketball history, started five African-Americans in a starting lineup. And since he did that, college basketball has not been the same forever. From that moment, college coaches started recruiting more and more African-Americans and desegregating their basketball teams. We can read about this story in the movie, or we can watch about it in the movie or the book Glory Road. My prayer for you, Ryan, here at Wallace, is that you may, as you make your ministry about the glory of God, as you treasure Jesus, as you carry your cross, as you long for the new world, that God himself will change, not the basketball landscape, but the spiritual landscape of this place, of College Park, Maryland, 
not just College Park, Maryland, but the University of Maryland. How about even better, Prince George's County? That your ministry will transform this place by the Holy Spirit into the place that God loves and longs to manifest his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. We long for your glory to come. We long for your gospel to be preached and people's hearts to be changed. I'm thankful for the ministry of Wallace. I thank you for the faithfulness of this church for many, many years, proclaiming the gospel and the glories of our triune God. And I pray as Ryan leads Wallace, I pray that you would equip him, give him all that he needs to lead your beloved sheep, to care for them, to point them to you. Help him to treasure the gospel. Help him to carry his cross and to serve this church and help him by his preaching, by his living, to create a longing in the hearts of these people for the eternal glory of Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Our last hymn is, our hymn of response is, Jesus, I am a